0: Welcome to the GovCom's podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. And welcome to GovComs, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you very much for joining us once again. Today, we speak to Matthew Abbott, who's the Senior Executive Leader of Corporate Affairs for the Australian Securities and Investments Commission. He has been around the media game for quite some time. So before joining ASIC back in 2010, he was a director of a public affairs consultancy, but he also worked for the global shopping centre company, the Westfield Group. He was an advisor to a federal cabinet minister and has also worked for several New South Wales government leaders. Uh, of the Liberal Party. Matthew has a Bachelor of Commerce and a Master's of Public Affairs. He also lectures on media and political campaigning in a Master's program for Sydney University. He was also a financial journalist in the United Kingdom and he joins me in the studio now. Matthew, thanks very much for joining us on GovComs. Hi David, thanks for having me. Listen, changing world um, for someone like yourself as a regulator, but what takes up most of your day running the communications for a, an organisation like ASIC?
1: Uh, so my background is as a journalist and as a political advisor, and I, s- I suppose a lot of my time is in those areas. So um, uh, I suppose I should start by saying what, what, what's the purpose of having a, a comms function at the regulator? Um, uh, communication is a tool to help the organisation achieve its goals, and one of those goals is to help shape the behaviour... ...of everyone we regulate. So it's jaw the market. Mm-hmm. And I spend a lot of time on on media relations. We probably get 10 incoming calls every single day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All those have to be managed, triaged. Some of them are quite uh, benign. Some of them can be quite incendiary. Plus there's a... We, we, media relations is, a, is the, you know, the, the final part of, of big campaigns. We might put out... We might put out 10 to 15 pieces of collateral a week, which is, of course... PR speak for stuff that we issue, like Mm -hmm. media releases, speeches, podcasts, do a lot of live tweeting, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So media relations is a big part of my role, and a big part of that is advising the the commission, Mm -hmm. the the ASIC chairman, on on media and politics, I suppose. Plus I do a lot of uh, sort of government relations. We have to walk here before uh, three parliamentary committees about eight times a year, so there's a lot of prep leading up to that. And just the general liaison between parliamentarians and um, and ASIC. So my background, I'm not a policy expert. We've got loads and loads of those people in ASIC. But I suppose I sit at that collision point between policy and politics.
0: Yeah. yeah. And in terms of that, though, when you're talking about the strategy and the elements of trying to influence behaviour, how do you go about that in terms of deciding what you say, when you say it, what language you use? How is How does that process look like from a regulator's point of view?
1: Well, I suppose in terms of strategy, we might have a whole lot of, you know, micro comm strategies happening all the time. So we might have a certain view about a certain uh, something happening in the market, say, mortgage brokers or financial advisors, um, there might be a big legislative change, which ASIC has carriage of, and then we have to work out how to make that change happen. So there'll be a comms piece around that, just the usual sort of um, comms strategising of just who's the audience, what are we trying to get them to do, how will we do that? But, um, and I guess that political judgement does come into it about, you know, um, crafting the message to... and having that emotional intelligence... To get those stakeholders to understand what you're trying to do and get them to do it,
0: mm. but how? I suppose it, is it mainly experience that helps you to decide what fights to be in and what fights to be out? of? Oh
1: yeah, very much, very much, very much. It's it's about that. It's about that experience and that judgment. And as you know, judgment comes normally from bitter, bitter experience, <laughs> from having a, a lot of scar tissue. So, um, and uh, I guess that's why I'm still I'm doing it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but is, so. The, Maybe give us a bit of an insight into your team. It sounds like you have uh, quite a well, a reasonably good-sized team to be able to perform all of those activities.
1: Yeah. So I'll I'll, uh, I'll give you a quick breakdown. There's about 20 in my team. So about half of them, I've got a lot of editors. So all those sort of technical publications that ASIC puts out, mm. consultation papers and reports and regulatory guides, I've got a team of people who sit there, lay them out, make sure they make sense... There are no spelling mistakes, you know. So that's a very important role. So they're those people. I've got someone who manages our our internet. So the internet's this big, huge, rambling piece of, I suppose, regulatory infrastructure um, that a lot of people who want to comply with the law rely on. So I've got a a few people who manage that. Then I've got someone who does internal comms. Um, There's about uh, 1,900 people at ASIC. And, of course, your staff are your best asset. They're your greatest ambassadors. So... We spend a lot of time making sure they're briefed and they understand what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then uh, the government relations piece, our accountability to the parliament is very important. Um, So I've got someone who works on that. I've got two people who work on that. And then, of course, media relations. We... Uh, have a media unit of about three or four people, mm-hmm. and I, one of the fellows who runs that is a very experienced uh, former journalist, former political staffer, mm-hmm. who's been around a long time. So a lot of uh, a safe pair of hands there.
0: And do you have you mentioned before podcasts as well? So do you have a a content creation team working for you?
1: <clears throat> we want one. We need one. We want one. <laughs> um, um, we want to. You know, and th- th- I guess one of the issues you always encounter is something gets created and then it just dies somewhere. We want to just create create things once and, and publish them everywhere. So yes. if a speech gets created, we'll turn that into a podcast or we'll turn it into a let's do a video or I don't know, you know. Yeah. Um, so let, let's put let, let's 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 write an op-ed for the paper which we can put up on LinkedIn. Yes. So we recently hired a, a content creation person um, and, uh, and and they do a bit of podcasting and just that they do the sort of stuff that I've just been talking about. Hmm. But it's it's an area where we could develop.
0: Yeah. So how far along that journey are you to being more self-sufficient, to be able to craft and own your story and to be able to publish on your mm-hmm. own channels? Because I imagine that you would get large amounts of traffic to ASIC. Yeah, yeah. To, so to that,
1: that whole disintermediation thing.
0: Yes. Um, we are... Uh, we, got, we
1: sort of looked at that very closely a few years ago and thought this will be terrific. But um, uh, we were doing a lot of videos and we found that doing videos is – it's easy to shoot them and it's easy to um, come up with the idea but it takes a lot of time to edit them and make them look good. And that's fine if you're getting a lot of people looking at them but right. if you're getting only a handful of people watching them. So we do a lot of podcasts now. And even still then we don't really get a, a real feel for, you know, how many – people. well, we know how many people are, are – are listening to them, but what is their influence? I think I think nowadays podcasts are one of those things where you, you can't really not do them. Yep. I mean, it's like having a brochure was 25 years ago. You, you could not have a brochure. Yes. Um, but in terms of that whole disintermediation piece, uh, we've embraced a little bit, but we still spend a lot of time with, dealing with conventional mainstream media. Yep. I think that's where we get a lot of bang for our buck.
0: Right. And And... Is that because of perhaps the leadership of ASIC who are reflecting that or the political leaders who still are very much focused on that area or is it just the reality yeah, that's, that's of, good, of your market. That's a good
1: question. Um, I think politically, like external, like politicians, parliamentarians, still put a lot of store in what happens in the mainstream media yep. um, um, and that's that's where they get their bank for, for their buck and I think we kind of just follow that because like I said, we are an arm of government. Um and, yeah, it's, we've only got limited resources. We, we could spend a lot of time doing heaps of podcasts and heaps of LinkedIn articles, but to what end, you know? Yeah. Um, if only a handful of people are really watching those. But we know that if, uh, if we do an interview on, on, uh, on AM in the morning, we know a million people will be listening.
0: Yeah.
1: So, Yeah. It's where where we put our time.
0: Yeah, okay. So in terms of then sort of linking up your activity to sort of the strategic intent of of the organisation, and you mentioned that before about, you know, basic strategic communication planning is about achieving goals, how well are you able to sort of match the output of what you do with achieving business objectives given that you operate in a fairly um, hostile uh, environment, I suppose, a high-paced environment, a contested environment where lots of people, I'm sure, are telling you how to do your job every day of the week. So
1: so how, how do we know whether we, we're sort of making inroads? Yeah.
0: Progress towards those strategic objectives to make sure that you're not just doing, um, it, doing it, lots of stuff, yeah. that you're being pushed around yeah, by yeah, the yeah, winds yeah. of...
1: Yeah, Yep, yep, yep. yep. Uh, well, um, we... Um, uh, uh, I guess, well... We, We've always had a natural bias towards sort of mainstream media. and um I, I guess it's the perennial problem with communications generally is um, measuring success. and there's a whole lot of measures of busyness, like we can say, uh, on this campaign we want to get um we want to get twenty five uh, broadcast hits mm. and we can measure that or we'll get you know um stories in the X, y Z publication. we can do that. but In terms of how do we know whether it's actually affecting the behaviour of people who read that? Well, we we kind of don't know. Mm. And then if we do know, is it, is it the quality of the communications or is it the quality of the underlying mm. enforcement result? Mm. And that's very that's really hard to work
0: out. Do you do much evaluation around surveys of trying to understand what people think of or e- even in those specific areas where you are trying to achieve some sort of behavioural change that you may measure, you know, set a baseline, intervene with some sort of communication program and then go back and have another look?
1: We don't do any um, surveying in terms of the effectiveness of the communications. We might do some um, qualitative and quantitative research just around issues in the market. Um, How do people feel about financial advice? You know, how do they feel about mortgage brokers? That sort of thing. We don't do much about um, uh, the effectiveness of communication. Well, we don't do any really. Mm -hmm. But we sort of know through certain mechanisms, um, you know, how many people are reading our uh, our, our media releases, because yep. we have, you know, um campaign monitor and other sort of tools like this... Yes. ..which give us feedback on just who's doing what. But in terms of is it affecting their behaviour, we, we don't know.
0: Mm. And in terms of being a, a regulator, um, how do you see that sort of shifting and changing maybe in the next five or so years in, a, as I say, a very highly contested area that you operate in, which is, you know, in that corporation's um, regulatory environment?
1: I think the thing about just comms generally, and I suppose comms in, in a regulatory environment, is that uh, you know the way the channels that people use will change, but what what's what's never going to change is there's still going to be 25 million Australians who who need to get information and news. Now the way they they get it might change, so um, so what will change is how we kind of you know communicate that and how we get to those people we want to communicate with, which is mainly um, those people we regulate. But the message will still be the message, you know, mm. the strategic thinking will still always be the strategic thinking. Mm. And I guess we, we've we always had a policy of, I suppose, we can't be everywhere. Like we're not on Facebook because yep. we took a strategic view that, well, you know, we can't be everywhere yep. and it's better to do a few things well than a whole lot of stuff poorly. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess it's a case of just, you know... Staying across, changing technology, and assessing it, mm. and um, using it where you think you can add value.
0: And how how do you go about that sort of process of continuing to evaluate where is the right place for you to be?
1: It's really a case of just just keeping your head up. I mean, it's very easy to keep your head down and be be working the whole time and fighting this battle and that battle. But it's important to look up and just see you know what's happening on the horizon, who's mm. doing what. So I I. I uh, we've set up a, a kind of a very loose uh, working group between the heads of comms at other regulators, so A Triple C, the RBA, APRA, um, and we get all together. the
0: financial yeah industry regulators.
1: Yep, and we yeah. uh, just informally because we of course sort of know each other. Yeah, and we'll always talk about what are you doing?
0: Yeah. H- how does that work? Yeah. Well, um, you know, it's working. Yeah,
1: and. Sure. Um, Sometimes uh, you know going to conferences, just just engaging in the market. Mm. Um, what
0: are, what are some of the shared experiences of those regular regulatory communications and the, and the challenges that you all face? What, what would you share?
1: Uh, we, we share a lot. We, we we whinge a lot about certain <laughs> journalists giving us hard times. I won't <laughs> mention any names. Um, uh, we talk a lot about you know the FOI process. There's a lot of freedom information requests. Yep. Uh, the Rudd government liberalised FOI made it much easier to get information So we get a lot of FOI requests. Mm. Uh, talk about those a lot. But just talk about, you know, how people sort of handled... So I was chatting to one of the the comms people from one of the regulators the other day about they made some big announcement. I said, well, what did you do for that one? And they said, yeah. oh, we did a Facebook Live, um, blah, 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 and this is how we did it and we, you know, so... And it cost this this amount. Yep. So just, you know, just trying to sort of understand how they do things and... Um, um, as as I said before, we, we, we I'd rather do something well than do do something poorly. So, yeah. but just keeping an eye on what other people are doing.
0: So, in terms of um, working for ASIC here, here in Australia, we've had the Banking Royal Commission, which was obviously massively high profile, uh, and ASIC was really you know, front and centre um, in, in a lot of that. Could maybe tell us a little bit about that experience of how you were working um, as an organisation to manage the, the, the reputation of the regulator through what was a, a searing and, and harsh Media spotlight. You talk about media yeah. <laughs> spotlight. Yeah. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. None, none hotter than the the banking royal commission. So
1: on the royal commission, we took a very deliberate um, decision to not be trying to spin anything that came anything. out of the royal commission. Yeah. The commissioners and and myself, we, we we came to a position that we had an audience of one, which was Commissioner Kenneth Hain, yeah. And we didn't want to be seen to be trying to spin anything that transpired at the Royal Commission to the media or, or anyone. Yeah, we were very careful and very deliberate about that. Um,
0: and so that meant that what there was pretty much any time anyone rang you, you said, "Look,
1: yeah, we've exactly, got nothing to say." Exactly. Exactly, and we would just direct them to. So, if we made a submission to a yep. royal commission, read the submission. Uh, yeah, and or we we wouldn't give it to a journalist. We would say, look, listen, we've we've made a submission to the royal commission. They might choose to make that submission public, yep. on their website. If they do, have a look at it. But yep. we're not going to, you know, yep. we were very careful about that. It was so. I guess the whole royal commission was, it, it was a legal process. Yes. We had a whole legal team working on that, and. A lot of resources were devoted to that. But, yeah, we were very careful uh, about not being seen to be spinning anything.
0: And how then did you manage business as usual while there was something that was so large going on that I'm sure was taking a lot of your attention and time that you would normally have been dedicated to your day job?
1: Well, um, I guess because we decided that we weren't going to be devoting a whole lot of resources to communicating what was going on at the Royal Commission and putting our slant on it.
0: Oh, OK. You left it alone pretty much.
1: Yeah. That, that, I mean, we had a project board of all the lawyers and commissioners and anyone who was involved with the Royal Commission. I was on that board and uh, um, uh, mainly we were just sort of watching what was going on in the market. So it, it wasn't a major imposition on our BAU work. But, um uh, yeah, so that's, that's that's what we did.
0: Mm-hmm. So in terms of the way you manage your, your year, for example, do you have peaks and troughs through the year or is it just sort of yeah. flat out the whole time or well, is it reporting a lot season? Of it, a lot
1: of it really depends on just what, uh, is, um, what the business unit. So we have a, a sort of a deposit takers group and an insurance group and, and they have business plans. And they they know that they'll be putting out this report, you know, sometime in the first quarter, and then we will be involved with that. And and those business groups, my team might develop communications plans for those. So we'll sort of map out stuff that that is coming up. But more broadly, from a sort of a, uh, like a government relations point of view, we know that the budget we're coming up on so-and-so, and and we know that this year, you know, there, there might be an election in... In May, so there's there's those things which we can sort of plan for, and we do know that we normally have to appear before certain committees, like you know Senate Estimates mm. or the Parliamentary Joint Committee. So, uh, in terms of um, planning for that, we know those things are going to happen. But in terms of you know like um, uh, where uh, we're sort of pivoting towards doing a lot more enforcement now mm-hmm. coming out of the Royal Commission, mm-hmm. and you can't really you can't really no. um, plan for that. You know, I mm-hmm. mean. Um, things has happened and you take court action and you know that can happen quite quickly or it can happen less quickly but so it's 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 more difficult to plan for um what's coming down up the pipeline in terms of in enforcement and litigation
0: mm. just as a, a just for an insight actually in, just operationally do you have account managers in your team who look after those different areas like account takers uh, yes we do insurance yes, so yes, someone yes. owns that particular yeah, relationship yeah ex- exactly so okay. they're like
1: our internal client and yep. so that, so that person would be mapping out a, a commerce plan yep. and that person would be you know the, those key people internally would be their stakeholders so they'd be doing everything from you know um, uh, you know, working on a webinar or writing a speech for that person, or yep. engaging directly with that regulator population. So we might um, some of these people have, have set up direct relationships with that industry association.
0: Yeah, right. Okay.
1: And they might say, "Oh, can you? Th- here's this change in the law. Would you be able to do a podcast for us, which we could publish for our members?" Yeah. So that's what we do. That sort of direct stuff. They don't do. They don't do sort of um, uh, media relations so much. Mm-hmm. That's more left to us. Mm-hmm. But Those account managers manage all that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, right. And that works well for you. That it does. It does work well. Yeah, yeah. Have you had it in place for a long time?
1: Uh, so when I first came to ASIC, we had there was a, we had a much bigger budget. We had account managers for most most of ASIC,
0: right. but
1: now we've got about to probably three or four. So yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. What about with the, um, the the commissioner and the commissioners of of ASIC? How seriously do they take um, communication and and being able to use strategic communication to achieve their business objectives. You mentioned it uh, earlier that it's really a fundamental part of the role of the Commission. So they obviously have a reasonable understanding of why it's important and, and yeah. how it can help
1: them. Yeah, so our new chairman, James Shipton, he's got a very clear understanding of, of you know, the benefits of communication um, uh, and and supports the function. And uh, um, so that that's terrific. And likewise, we've got a whole lot of new commissioners have come to ASIC in the last uh, about six months, so there is a real understanding of uh, of, of the value of communications. I mean, you know, n- not everyone likes campaigning on issues in the media. Y- you've got to play to your strength. Not everyone wants to be sort of doing five media interviews a day, yeah. um, but certainly, but there is a there is an understanding of the value of, of communications and yeah. you know the benefits it, it can.
0: Okay. And as someone who's been around for for a few years, uh, around this particular space, what are, what are you seeing as the evolving opportunities and challenges in government communications and where where perhaps best practice might lie? And, and what are some of those opportunities that people should be perhaps looking at into the future to become more effective, not just as a regulator, but generally as a, a government communication organisation supporting um, a particular department or agency mm. or
1: Uh, Well, I I just think it comes back to the channels, just staying across the changing technology, which doesn't mean you've got to use and embrace everything, but you've got to have a sort of a a bit of an uh, an idea for how things work Mm. and how things might be able to work in your organisation. Not Mm. everything's right for everyone.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, But just... uh, Well, it's an
0: interesting point you raised earlier that, you, you know, you went down the video path... You yeah. tried it yeah. but it was, okay, well, we're not getting much action there so yeah. you know we can apply those resources perhaps somewhere else and, more effective. And, and the
1: reason we got into podcasting was because we hired a young guy who worked as a radio producer at 6PR in Perth. And he came in and just looked at the videos and went, why are you doing those? You could just do podcasts and... Hmm. It, it It takes about sort of you know one tenth of the time and yeah. you'll get you get a much better lift off and sure as eggs <laughs> he was right, so and that was because we hired this guy now hiring that hiring some producer who worked at six p r now he was a young bloke, he knew nothing about financial services yeah. or politics or he knew a lot about just you know life in Perth and um, he was a movie buff, right. but we just hired him because we thought that might be good to have someone with a completely different range of skills yeah. and we didn't have anyone with a, a kind of a broadcast background and he, yeah. that really added value.
0: Yeah. Um, you mentioned internal communications is also is a, a, a key part of your role and, and responsibility. Um, I'd be interested to know just how you go about your internal communications and uh, what are the channels that you use there and how often do you engage and what stories do you tell and what mediums do you use yeah. just to-
1: so, Dave, we, we have a, an intranet, and we, we, uh, there's a number of different sort of portions on that, but there are a number of sections there. We, we, we try to post uh, a certain number of stories every day, and we're very mindful of that. Any, um, any kind of public announcement, good or bad, we try to give the staff a heads up first. Now, that might be a story, <laughs> written story getting posted to the intranet, or it might be... Uh, we've been doing a lot of... Um, uh, sort of voice messages from the chairman, like a little p- internal podcast. Oh yeah, um, and of course, with an internal podcast, we've got to make sure we've got a transcript because it's it's all going to be um, accessible for people, you know, with yep. you know, disabilities, etc. So we do, we do all that. Um, How often
0: would you use that use that channel? Uh, well, the
1: chairman is very keen on that. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So we, we, anytime we've got some announcement, he'll 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 write something out and then do it do an audio as well. Okay. So we do a lot of that. Um, and uh, we also try to have uh, face-to-face meetings like we have this thing called a market update where we'll have a, um, we'll have a uh, you know, um, the chairman or the commissioner is just talking to staff, a video conference right around Australia yep. with, you know, sort of seven officers. So the other day, just after the Royal Commission came out, we had a big market update. People could ask questions um, just, yeah, just engaging, having that personal engagement with the people.
0: Mm. And you mentioned stories earlier on. What sort of... Where is the focus of those stories? Is it around the activity of um, the commission or is it around the people? Yeah, is it's,
1: it around- it's... Well, it's both. It's, it's the macro. So ASIC you know, has done this, these, is, these yeah. big changes, right through to um, the stories of, of our staff. You know, this is Joe Blow. Um, he's just, uh, you know, won us a comment to, you know, the regulator in China... This is great for his career, blah blah blah. And we do a whole lot of we do a whole lot of uh, lighter stuff. There's a lot of light and shade in our internal comms. We've got this thing called Friday Five, mm-hmm. which is the most popular section on our intranet. Which is basically um, five silly questions we ask of you know someone at ASIC, and those people are always not 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 the, not the senior people, just yeah. the, the, the people you know doing the job. Um, who you know, so you know, someone from Tarengan in Victoria who works in our call centre, yeah. you know, just. The everyday people who work at ASIC. Okay. And that's a very popular section. Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: And is so, again, when you have strategy around um, the external communication of your business, you obviously clearly have a strategy around mm. the internal side yeah. of your so business as I, I well. Yeah, so I suppose
1: the, the internal comms. we do a lot of work with our HR function. Yeah. And it's all about, um, you know, empowering staff, trying to boost staff engagement, um, and making everyone feel excellent about working at ASIC because you know we don't have factories or machines or whatever. Yeah, you know, the people are the asset, okay. and um, uh, and that's one of the great things about working at ASIC is in that um, uh, you know the, the policy is very interesting and the policy matters to people's lives. Yeah. And there are people who, who work at ASIC. Who could probably, you know, be earning double what they earn if they were working in an investment bank or a law firm. But they've chosen to work at ASIC in the public interest. Mm. So there, there's a lot of sort of, uh, you know, there's there's very, a very high sort of staff engagement, and people are proud, you know, of the job they do. And uh, and we like to sort of reflect that in our in our
0: communications. Sure. Yeah. And in terms of that engagement with the HR function, can you describe that? perhaps in a little bit more detail as to how you do work together? Are they, are they providing the insights that you're then responding to from a strategic point of view? Are they giving you sort of these are the topics, areas that we're looking forward to, uh, to make it? Uh, yes and no.
1: It could probably be a bit more sort of scientific, but it's it's a little bit sort of um, gut feel. So, w- we, you know, we talk regularly with the head of um, the head of HR and we, we get a feel for the issues that, you know, uh, that are coming up. So right, right now we're negotiating our enterprise agreement. And right. that's, that's, you know, and there's a big chunk of ASIC who, who are very keen on knowing what's going on with that. So, <laughs> um, and that's, that's very much a, a, a project which is run by the HR function. So yep. um, there's a whole kind of program of communications around that. So that's yep. we're, we're very engaged with that. Mm. But on other areas we sort of, you know, we'll, we'll run comms Uh, without any kind of engagement with uh, the HR function. Um, um, But, you know, um, if there are changes to your senior executives, you know, the HR function will tell us and say, these changes are happening, you probably know about these, let's let's do a little sort of plan about how we communicate this with staff. So, um, yeah, there is a lot of engagement.
0: Sounds like your technology platform is pretty good as well. So you can... You can do and and move quite a bit of content through your systems, uh, both your internal and external. Yeah, I
1: I think it's well. People sort of moaned to me that you know we need to change things and get a better system, and <laughs> we, we, we 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 replatformed our internal our internal a few years ago. And that was a that was a big project, but. Um, um, it seems to work pretty well, and it seems to meet you know, meet the needs of, of of our staff. So yeah, mm.
0: but it can handle video. It can handle audio. It can uh, I've, yeah, I've, I've, it, I've, I've... it
1: can, it can, it can, it can. Although I wouldn't sort wanna, of. I wouldn't want to load it up too much.
0: <laughs> yeah, and just um, final couple of questions. You mentioned the internet uh, before, and as a regulator, obviously there needs to be a uh, a single source of truth where you know a lot of people want to know and come yep. and see. Yep. Um, how important is that? to you yeah. in terms of you being able to do your business and to achieve your business goals.
1: Uh, so you mean the asset internet. Yes. Um yeah yeah it's very important it's very yeah. important. And there's documents going back there many years. I mean we could probably sort of cull you know there's like 10,000 pages. We could probably could have cull you know 3 quarters of them but there's a lot of historical information and we're obliged to keep your know, media releases up around enforcement outcomes for a certain number, amount of time. Yep. We are yeah we are a source of truth. So yes. um, uh, it, uh we, we we keep we we ensure that the, that the internet works works pretty well. It's not a sort of a, a whiz bang internet, but it, it is important. It's important to us, but also important to the population we regulate. Yeah, for yeah. sure. As I said, it's a bit of it's a piece of regulatory infrastructure.
0: So uh, aside from you know journalists who you may not agree with or you know can't convince about particular mm. issues, what what continues to sort of pop onto your list of things problems that you've got to solve that are that are perpetually there, that you're that you're always working to improve on, that are, are your real priorities in terms of becoming more effective as an enabler of communication for ASIC. Uh,
1: I just think it's um, uh, you know uh, internally proving to the leadership that uh, you know um, it, it, my my what? default position always is we should get out there and we should fight and we should campaign on everything. Right. We should never hide. Yep. Um, and so that's my view of the world in terms of communications, especially around media relations. So just um, you know conveying that to the to the leadership. I mm. mean, and that they might have a different view. Mm. But as one of my former bosses once said to me, um, Matthew, you're paid to give the advice. I'm not paid to take it. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> So it, that's, it, true. It, it's, it's, that's it's, true it's engaging in having a, 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 an excellent relationship with your internal stakeholders and yeah. and showing them the value of, of what you do. Yes. And some people get it and some people take longer to be convinced
0: yeah. But it would seem, you know, I just as an, as an observer, as an outsider, as someone who has, you know, looked on, you know, ASIC is is very active, he's very yeah. out there, you know, yeah, you're yeah. not well, sort of you're not hiding away waiting oh, to be scuttled.
1: Oh no, that's right. I mean, we look, we touch the lives of most of the, we, we affect the supply and the demand for financial service. So we regulate everyone who who you know provides stuff, you know, financial advice, mortgage mortgage brokers, et cetera. And we sort of we have a whole sort of financial capability function, i.e., we're educating people about how they demand financial services. Mm. We, we really we, we touch the lives of most uh, most Australians, and um, the job we do is of a lot of interest to a lot of people, especially via the mainstream media. Um, so, as I said, we uh, you know we last year we put out about four hundred and fifty media releases, mm. and that's just a part of you know the
0: external communications we have. So, and the pickup. Is I'm sure all, most most all of them would probably get some sort of coverage.
1: They would, yeah, they would. I mean, yeah, we'll put a, a media release out about you know the banning of of some sort of financial advisor in Hobart, but we'll also put a <laughs> you know uh, a media release out about us taking major litigation against one of the big banks. Yeah, um, yeah so. Uh, yeah. And especially with enforcement, there's a lot of human drama, you know, yeah. especially yeah. about, uh, you know, people who are being sent to jail, except there's a lot of drama around that. Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah. This, this podcast is, is about gov government communications and the thing that I'm, you know, I had someone tell me the other day, oh, how dull is that? Well, I think you can get a sense of just how dull it's not mm-hmm. by talking to you. It's mm-hmm. a, you seem very yep. energised about, yeah. you know, the task and the mission. ..that you're involved in. And oh,
1: without a doubt, this is... I mean, I've worked in a political office. I, I was an advisor to Joe Hockey when Joe was a, a junior minister. And this job is not as busy as that, being the advisor... ..but it's almost. I mean, you know, um, hmm. it's... Yeah, we... Uh, there's there's always stuff going on. We're always, you know, pumping something out... ..or doing having a campaign or having to manage it. There's a lot of... There's a lot of issues management in this role as well. So it's it's always very exciting. And as I said... You know, the policy is, is very interesting. If you've mm. hung around financial services, then the policy is, uh, is fascinating and it, it matters to people's lives. Mm.
0: Yeah. yeah, and uh, well, and that, I think that goes to the, the, the essential point of most government communications is there is purpose, there is mission and therefore there can be that authentic energy that people can bring and, to life knowing
1: yeah. that they're making a difference. And I also should add the point about, you know, the good people at ASIC. Um, there's no maniacs at ASIC. <laughs> And I've worked in <laughs> politics and I've worked in other <laughs> industries and, really, um, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no maniacs. Um, so that's, that's, that's wonderful. So it's good to come to work.
0: Well, that's good to know. And I'm sure the audience out there will be delighted to know at the uh, financial regulator in Australia <laughs> that there are no maniacs. But I, but, but
1: I should just add, <laughs> as, as, as a final point for listeners, um, uh, f- f- coming out of the Royal Commission, uh, ASIC is um, is very, very focused on enforcement is very focused on litigation. Um, as the Royal Commission has pointed out, um, that's what um, the community expects of its regulator and that's what we are going to deliver.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting... Well, maybe that's for another time because yeah. I think that's a big uh, change because, again, how do you then shape the communications of the organisation as it changes yeah. You know, its bias yeah. towards yeah. a more regulatory enforcement, harsher, yeah. tougher? So that would be an interesting I think, way...
1: I think if you ask the average person in the street, what is ASIC? do, they'd say, firstly, who's ASIC? Yes. Um, and if they worked, oh, the corporate cop, they'd go, well, what is the job ASIC does? And they would say, to lock up bad guys. Right. I mean, that's a very important thing. We, we do other things as well, but we are very focused on locking up the bad guys or taking enforcement action.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, we will have a... We'll be interested to see just how that change, how ASIC responds to the challenge of the Royal Commission and how that changes in Australia. Matthew, thank you so much for your insights around government communications and bringing us inside the ASIC media and communications machine. It's really good to know and understand. Just David, thanks for go, having me. And th- thank you, listeners. Okay. And to you, the audience, thanks for coming back once again. And we will be back at the same time in two weeks' time. But for the moment, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the GovCom's podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes.